What meaning do U.S. presidents, the ten ancient Sumerian kings, and Methuselah have in common? Trick question. The answer is nothing. Well, kind of. It all depends on where and when you live. Let's dive into the Ancestry.com of antiquity on this week's episode of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Coming up. You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. The Bible is the most read book ever, but for many, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 24 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And I'm actually very excited today to jump into the text here because we're talking about genealogies, and I'm just dying to see how these guys (laughs) can make genealogies interesting. I I don't know how we're filling a whole episode, but I have faith. You might might be be overselling it when you say the genealogy episode is super exciting. (laughs) <laughs> people, people are going to skip this episode of the podcast just like they skip but genealogies talking about dying, and a Bible he's, reading. He's doing his own segue. There he's it is. That's segue. right. Because now, yeah, it's all about dying. Now that I've been usurped. Um, that's <laughs> cool. This is, this is basically Ancestry.com, the episode. Yes. Ancestry.com. But before we get into that, let me remind you that we are on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you search any of those on those platforms, you're going to see our page. Be sure to like and subscribe to that. And as always, reminding you, if you are not subscribed to the podcast on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, it means you are not getting a notification when a new episode comes out. So if you always want to be alerted to when there's a new episode dropping, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. It helps boost our numbers. It helps spread the podcast farther, and it will help you stay up to date. So yeah. Yeah, you, do you don't want to be, be the, you don't want to be the last guy or gal in your social circle to know what's going on in the genealogy episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a social faux pas to not know about the genealogy episode. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so what verses are we going to cover today? Well, that's the good news and the bad news. The bad news is it is a genealogy, but the good news is we're going to try to get through an entire chapter in one episode, which seems you, scandalous just to say it. Cue the trumpet. You say that, but. I won't believe it until we have finished the episode. I won't actually, because we've said that before. We've tried, we've tried to do that in the past. Um, I, have, uh, I have faith. So whoever's reading today needs to be a speed reader. <laughs> well, Nathan, I hope you're a speed reader. Okay, well, let me make sure I have the right translation of the Bible. Um, this is Genesis 5, uh, coming from the ESV. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan, which sounds a lot like Cain, right? 
Uh, Enos lived mm -hmm. after he had fathered Kenan 815 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And when Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. And Kenan lived after he had fathered Mahalalel 840 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Um, and when Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he had fathered Jared 830 years uh, and had other sons and daughters. Man, that's getting recurring at this point. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Uh, Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. And when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground the Lord has cursed. This one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Excellent reading. Good, good. <laughs> there you go. Gandalf, looking at those numbers in front of you, if, mm -hmm. what do you see happening with those numbers? Let's see. First of well, all, what's an obvious observation about the numbers associated well, with life the, the the first thing I'm going to say is that, man, they must have been eating their Wheaties back in the day because they were living <laughs> a long time. That's right. Man, they're going. And I don't know. I don't know what else I see other than it looks like. I don't know. Are they, they, There's, there's not really going, any drop off in age. That happens yeah, they're, after they're, the flood. Yeah, they're sickened to, to around, you know, they, at least 800, most of them. But they seem to, as time passes have children sooner oh now i don't know what that means i'm just saying it it's here yeah because <laughs> seth and, seth and enosh they i mean they were almost like seth was more than 100 enosh was 90 and right well, down, after like, okay after reading those verses and having you know the same recurring statement in just about every verse i feel like for the rest of the episode all i'm going to be able to say is and he had other sons and daughters <laughs> and, and then he died and then he died so Yes. Well, you know, Enoch is kind of rushing into fatherhood. He was having kids at 65. I mean, he needs so to be waiting if, a little bit longer. If episode, what was it, 20 that we did when Adam knew his wife, if that was scandalous to you, here's a whole chapter dedicated to the, the posterity of humanity of how the promise is carried forward. So there's a couple of things that we want to hit on today. We want to talk about how Genesis 5 functions as a transition. It functions also as a comparison, a polemic, and then also how it's introducing things that are to come. So, Nathan, why don't you start 
by helping us look at verse number one. Where have we seen this line before? This is the book of the generations of Adam. Yeah, this looks a whole lot like Genesis 2, chapter 4. I mean, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Um, yeah. Or these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. And we talked about the totally doth formula that occurs uh, again and again uh, throughout the book of Genesis and is a means of pushing the story forward. Um, what's so neat to me about... And remind me remind me what that means? Totally doth? Yeah. Totally doth just means the, the generations of. Okay. And that was used as kind of like a transitionary statement, right? Yeah. So like if, right? like if you were telling, you know, an epic story and you wanted uh, to capture a, you know, a thematic or a storied connection between two times in history that were, you know, far removed, that, you know, think Lord of the Rings and you're in the right ball field. This is oh, second age becoming third age. So, uh, but what's so interesting about this one is that this this one is pushing the story forward by looking back. Like, so we talked about in the last episode that you saw the unfolding of Cain's line, and then Seth mm-hmm. is just kind of put into it just to make that contrast about here's the people through whom God will work, and they will be unlike Cain's folks. Well, you see that come full bloom here because this is the gener- the book of the generations of Adam, but who is not mentioned? Cain. Instead, it focuses right. on the descendants of Seth. Uh, so when God, so this is transitional, but you're also saying that hey, there's comparison going on that we should take this list and compare it to Genesis four, where we've just been. Absolutely, and what's so interesting to me is. Uh, this is mankind, just like Genesis 4, this is mankind out of the garden, but there is a return uh, to the use of language that we last saw when mankind was in the garden. Look at that. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. That's Genesis 1. Male and female, he created them. Uh, Genesis 1. And he blessed them, Genesis 1, and named them man when they were created. But then look what happens. Just like God created mankind in his image, what will it say of Seth? When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his mm. image. That The words there, likeness, damuth, and zalem, likeness and image, are the same two words used for God's creation of man in Genesis 1. Only na- right. now, instead of God passing the image on to Adam, Adam is passing the image on not to Cain, but to Seth. To I think Seth. that's so interesting. Now, I think that captures something more generically. Again, we, we come to genealogies, and to us, like I said, if that's in your daily devotional reading, if our listeners are honest with themselves, just about everyone has kind of thumbed through that page real quick and gone on to the next passage. We don't get a whole lot of genealogies, but for, for them, a genealogy was capturing some core truth in a very compressed form, right? So, like, back you know, many, many, many days ago when there was such a thing called a Christian bookstore, you would see varying things for sale alongside the books that would commemorate Bible verses. I just never saw, for instance, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 9. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. It's just didn't really see that verse. Nobody's really, nobody's holding on to that one. It's right next to the prayer of Jabez Paperweight. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh goodness no, no but I, so, you're on to something you know for for us i mean gandalf like you know pretend you're not on this podcast and it's you know you're committed to read your bible through 
one chapter a day, you get to Genesis 5, you read this outside of anything we've been discussing, what comes to mind? I mean, honestly, if I'm just reading this in a vacuum, I'm not good. I don't think I'm taking much out out of this. This this looks like something that I get through so I can get to the flood, which is the good part. This is Ancestry.com. Yeah. Uh, And and that's where I would go. Uh, Let me read a. So you come to Genesis five and you think list of names, right? Yeah. Uh, List of names between the action rather than list of names capturing action. Let me try a different list and see if it rings a bell, okay? This is just a list of names. I'm not even going to talk about fathering and how long they lived and died. Um, let's see. George Washington. John Adams. Thomas Jefferson. James Madison. James Monroe. John Quincy Adams. I'm even going to skip some of the names. Let's go all the way down to William Henry Harrison. John Tyler. Let's skip there. We'll even leave some out. Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce. Is this just a list of names? Or because you're an American, can you understand the underlying connective logic of those list of names and understand that it's telling a story? Yeah, those those names have a little bit more weight in my mind because those are U.S. presidents. Yeah, well, as a Bible-believing Christian, this this list should have uh, names. Uh, I mean, this list of names should have some weight, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's right. Uh, but I understand, understand where Gandalf is coming from, though, is that we immediately connect to history when we read names, and especially when it's true of our, our own lifespan. Like, for instance, we can think back to certain events that happen and we can think about people who were perhaps serving in public office or someone who was practicing, you know, uh, law or medicine or something like that in our community that we're, we're well known. And we can we can date stamp our lives by the names of other people. And it doesn't just connect us to a date on the calendar. It connects us to a way of life that existed when that was going on. And I think you captured the key word. It connects us. It, it helps us right. understand who we are uh, by understanding, in a sense, who we've been, right? It, from, from And understanding the people from whom we have come or emerged, there's something that speaks to the ongoing identity of who we are. I, I think this is uh, what you see in the New Testament. Uh, how, how interesting, you know, the New Testament finally comes. Is Matthew just... Killing, you know, killing all of, you know, just ruining the moment by starting his gospel with a genealogy? Or right. is he capturing the excitement of Christ by compressing the story uh, into a very compact form? I think that's exactly what he's doing. Look at Matthew 1 real quick, and we'll come back to uh, Genesis 5. And In Matthew 1, uh, Matthew essentially walks us through the Old Testament from Abraham until the time of Christ— by, by giving us a bunch of names. But these names divide the history of the Old Testament, starting with Abraham, Genesis 12, into three periods. From the God's covenant with Abraham uh, till God's covenant with uh, David, the, you know, the kingdom. Uh, from the kingdom to the time of exile, and from the time of exile to the arrival of Jesus, the one who ends mm-hmm. the exile. Not just the exile from Israel, but the exile from Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Eden, right? Right. 
uh, right. and, and he's and he's he's capturing that, but he's doing it through a list of names. If you don't know the story, then it's just a list of names. But if you know the story, you say, "Oh, this is our story. These names are are just more." They're more than letters on a page. This is capturing something fundamental uh, to not only where we've been, but where we're going. Uh, this is our identity. So these names, if you were someone reading this when it was originally written, would have had the same weight as, like, for instance, you, Nathan, just listing off U.S. presidents. So am I to understand that they would have seen these names and they would have said, OK, yeah, I know the stories about that guy, that guy and that guy. And now I understand. Yeah, all, the story that's all, all their all their dollars and coins had like you know Methuselah and Enoch on them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's not just connecting to the individual stories. It's connecting to the the big story, the fact that God was building a nation. And I, there there was something that Nathan did when he was talking about the U.S. presidents. He skipped names. Yeah, and, you know he went he went from you, you caught know, he, that he, when he got when he got to Andrew Jackson he just he didn't even call Andrew Jackson we're just gonna skip him you know forget that that doesn't mean I, so that doesn't mean I don't know him it means I'm trying to cover a lot of ground. So for instance when he did that w- were we scandalized it was like oh my gosh you just skipped no we say no he was just talk he's talking about the presidency in general he's making a point about American history by talking about names here and there. And that's actually what Matthew does. Yeah, Matthew one eight, for example, skips over uh, Ahaziah, Athaliah, Jehoash, and Amaziah. Um, so as a Westerner, don't be scandalized by this. Yeah, to go back that this this book is not written. Remember we said it early on. To us, it's but not, not for us. I mean, for it. us, but not to us. I'm sorry. It's written for us, but it's not written to us. So how would they have heard it? It would have been talking about their history in general and which kind of is a good time to transition into this next point is we look back to you know Genesis chapter 5 is what would these names have communicated to the ancient peoples of the world keep in mind this is pre-hebrew history Abraham is the father of the Hebrew nations he comes along way long time later what does this list communicate to ancient people and ancient cultures? And does it have any parallel out there? And the reality is, is that it does. And in fact, scholarship over the last 50 years have discovered a parallel, several parallels in the ancient world of king's lists that are found in ancient Samaria, um, in ancient Ugaritic writings, there's even stuff in ancient Egypt which talks about the first ten kings which lived. And, and how, and how many generations do we have here? We have ten generations. And what's interesting, it's like, for instance, if I pull up the Sumerian kings list, the first one was Alulum. Okay, that particular king descended from the heavens. Hold up, how, do I, then, how do I spell that for Ancestry.com? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that particular king, according to the Mesopotamian text, descended from the heavens and he was fully divine in the sense of imaging the gods. But his son was in Alagar. His son was in his image. So it's interesting that little connection. How that parallels Adam. How it parallels. Yes. And then on the, the seventh from... Uh, the beginning, what's interesting for us, that's that, Enoch. For us, that's Enoch. In these ancient texts, in the Egyptian, 
as well as in the Ugaritic text, their seventh from the beginning is translated to heaven. He never dies. He becomes immortal. So, and also that's that's interesting is that in the final king on their list, the flood comes during his days where yeah. it floods all of Sumer. Should this sound familiar? Yeah, that's what's interesting uh, yeah, to, to your point. Uh, I, I, I doubt it's brand new news to any of our listeners um, that the biblical flood account is not the only flood account in antiquity, right? Just right. about just about everyone's heard that records of a flood are, are cross-cultural. They're everywhere. What you're saying is not only is the flood attested in multiple cultures, this period uh, of long-lifed individuals prior to the flood, flood is also uh, FUD, Elmer FUD. <laughs> uh, this, this, <laughs> this period of long-lifed individuals prior to the flood is also well-attested. Um, and Matt, one of the points you made with me when we were talking about this before, I think it comes from John Walton, um, is, you know, Hebrew develops as a language. We're hearing, you know, God traditionally reveals this to Moses, but God is right. revealing these things to Moses after they have happened. Moses and, 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 and those around him are recording this in Hebrew, but at the time these things happened, Hebrew did not yet exist. And so one of the points that Walton makes is, is it quite possible that you have this list of names, this story that's broadly understood as true just about everywhere in antiquity, especially the ancient Near East. And and God is giving Moses the Hebrew translation of those names or the Hebrew translation of that list. Well, and Nathan, also to go back to a prior point of when we were talking about the polemic of Genesis 1, that, hey, if you're you're an ancient writing and you want to be taken seriously by the surrounding cultures in, you know, the ancient Near East, you have to deal with the whole idea of the the primordial waters that slap together and then create the earth and all of those things. You have to deal with that. And we talked about that in previous episodes, that if you're, if you're going to have some legitimacy in the ancient world, you have to deal with this readily accepted account of their universe. And this is the stuff that you have to deal with the 10 Kings. It's something and, that they and, would have And known. the flood and the flood, apparently. And the flood. Yes. And, and I guess you could, by extension, you have to deal with the guy who was taken to heaven. So these these are things that would have meant something to him. Now, there are—I don't want—someone who's not familiar with this, they, you may start Googling and say, wait a second, this, you know, there are different versions of the Sumerian Kings list. There's one with eight. There's one with ten. Uh, there's an—also—it says these guys ruled for thousands of years, like the first one was 28,000 years and 36,000 years. Stuff like that. Just as a little bit of information, it may be a little nerdy. And people but, accuse the Bible of exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't that funny? But one of the things is that we do know from ancient Near Eastern material is that numbers were used to communicate greatness. Significance, yeah. Significance and greatness. Rather, again, when we read as Westerners ancient stuff, we only it can only be allowed to mean something very literal and concrete. But take this itself to see that something more, this whole idea of the Sumerian king list, this whole idea that these names are Hebrew translations, most likely, of ancient names, that perhaps they are these names from the Sumerian king's list. Um, but these, these ancient names, this is a translation. This is 
dealing with common history and giving the um, the the inspired version of this story. So the original listeners to this would have heard this and be like, oh, that, that's that's the story of the Ten Kings, except for this is like the real version. This is our version of it. Correct. They would have. Wow. And then also surrounding cultures. It's like you all right, you dealt with the ten. Everybody knows about them. The it's the ten antediluvian rulers that would have been common characters in ancient Near Eastern material. Everybody knows about these guys. So Noah is the culmination of this in the Bible, but Moses is the one who's writing this down, and he is interacting with Egypt, Egyptian culture, ancient Near Eastern culture. He's interacting with all of these things. And it, again, it, it seems just like, oh, it's just 10 guys that are just thrown in here. But it would have communicated something very differently, not just to ancient Jewish people, but to surrounding cultures. So let's say you're not an Israelite. You're a Canaanite. Let's say you're Rahab, okay, that grew up in Jericho, and you've brought, been brought into the family, and then you're sitting around the fireside one night, and somebody's reading the book of Moses to you, and they come to Genesis 5. You're going to go, oh, I know this. Hey, this is our story. This is my story. It's connecting it uh, to the, the wider audience, where there's going to be a focusing when we get to Genesis 11. We're still in wide format mode here in Genesis 5. Yeah, I like that. And, and this might be an, an appropriate way to, you know, uh, progress the episode. Compare this list of names to the one that you just had in Genesis 4, right? In, in the Genesis 4 list of names that follow in the wake of Cain, you get to Lamech and he says, man, you know, so Lamech, the father of polygamy, Lamech, the, you know, the father of violence, Lamech, who says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then mine will be 77fold. Look at the difference of this story. It's Adam passing on his likeness to Seth, Seth uh, giving birth to, you know, uh, person after person, long life. And, and who, who comes at the end of the chapter, right? When Lamech lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah. Uh, Noah is that Hebrew word for rest or restoration, uh, equilibrium even, some would argue. Um, and, and look what is said here. I, 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 we, we cannot <laughs> skip over balance to the force. <laughs> exactly. Look, look, don't. Yeah. If, if you miss 529, then, then why, why are you reading Genesis five? He called his name Noah saying out of the ground right there. What does that make you think of Gandalf? It makes me think of the creation account of Adam and Eve talking about, or Adam specifically dust from the ground, right? The ground. Ding, ding, ding. All right, let's keep going that the Lord has cursed. When did that happen? At the end of the end of the creation account. Genesis, yeah, you. Genesis three. This one shall bring us relief from our work and from our painful toil of our hands. Again, it's so. Here is the story moving forward in Genesis five, but it's doing so in such a way that addresses what has happened in Genesis one through the language of the beginning of the chapter, Genesis 2, out of the ground, Genesis 3, the ground that is cursed and resulting in toilsome labor. And because this story is going differently than Cain's genealogy, it's dressing Genesis 4. Um, so no, th this, this story from Cain to Lamech results in violence, 
and sin. The story that is progressing from Seth to Noah is going to be a story of restoration and, in a sense, worldwide salvation, uh, at least in some scope. Uh, That's interesting that that we talked about types a couple episodes back. It's interesting that Noah's being set up as a as a savior figure. Yeah. It's oh in, man. Yeah. The That's New Testament. Good. The New Testament picks up on that. First Peter, right, Matt? Yes. And and think First Peter picks up on that. And also Gandalf, think about this: that Noah builds a ark, and that all who will get on the ark will be rescued from the coming wrath. So yeah. d- does that maybe ring some kind of bell with perhaps a gospel message? <laughs> it, it, it certainly does. First Peter, I, I, yeah, I just, uh, and we, man, we, we don't have time to unpack all of First Peter 3, but just First Peter 3.20, uh, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, uh, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which now corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven. Is that possibly another reference back to Genesis 5? Uh, and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Yes. Hey, one of the things that I want to one other thing I want to point out in Genesis 5 is look at Genesis 5:29 and called his name Noah saying out of the ground that the Lord has cursed okay what I want to point out here is in previous episodes when we looked at chapter 3 that it's a passive participle what cursed is the ground uh but this is different this is saying no God has cursed it it's like in Genesis 3 it's saying look the ground is cursed because of what you have done. But in Genesis 5, it's like, no, God cursed it. This is going to happen throughout the Bible. <laughs> this is going to happen over and over again and in the New Testament, where mankind is held responsible for what he's done. And and then in another chapter, it's going to say, but it was actually God that did this. So there is there's going to be a this this tension doesn't go away. In fact, it culminates in Genesis 50, 20, in the book of Genesis, that what you intended is evil towards me and God intended for good. So don't think contradiction, think mystery. It's just something I wanted to throw in. And what's so neat to me, again, because we're we're setting forth that um, that the Seth to Noah story is the contrast and the solution to the problem of the Cain to Lamech story, right? Mm. Uh, where 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 does the Cain story get off the rail in the context of doing what? Offering a sacrifice, sacrifice. right? And and then here is the a, another Noah's father is the same name as Cain's descendant. It's a different individual. I, I can't help but notice the irony of that. But that look again. Look what Noah's father says about him when he's born in verse twenty nine. Um, he said that this one will bring us relief from our work and the painful toil of our hands. What happens? Uh, it gets off the rails in Genesis 4 with Cain's sacrifice. How does it get back on the rails in Genesis 8 with Noah's sacrifice? Look at Genesis 8, 21. 
Um, Noah offers this sacrifice in the context of making a covenant with God. Uh, verse 820, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. That's huge, right? That's very mm. good. Those those are those details that in when we talk comparisons, don't miss the comparison. There's a reason these things sit together. And also the fact that just how at the end of Cain's genealogy, we had the introduction of Seth. Now at the end of Seth's genealogy, we have the introduction of Noah. This is a frequent thing that's going to happen, and it's happened, is that the ne- the, the end of a thing introduces the next thing. And I cannot believe it, but we actually got through a whole chapter in an episode. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I just I just want to close by reiterating our key point. It's just a list of names until you know the story behind them. It makes me think of, and I don't even remember all the names, Matt. You might. Um, the, the story that Billy Graham uh, came to Christ, and then it takes you to the person who led Billy Graham to Christ, and the person right. who led that guy to Christ, and the person who led that guy to Christ, and it ultimately goes back to some, you know, completely unknown Sunday school teacher who was a shoe salesman. Um, and right. if you and if you hear that name, it you don't even stop to think, until you realize the story that God used that name in a story that led one person to Christ that led millions to Christ. Right. Um, Correct. Yeah. So ancestry.com. Don't just make this a list of names. Please see it within the context of the story the Bible is telling. Well, uh, twice I doubted and twice my (laughs) doubts were proven wrong. Not only did we get through an entire chapter in a single episode, but also you guys, uh, we managed to see the uh, significance and the weight behind a list of names. Genealogies are fun. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that will be on sale as a t-shirt on our website so please go check that out um, well thank you for joining us listener and thank you Matt and Nathan for joining us uh, as always every week I look forward to uh, exploring more of this with you guys and I look forward to seeing you listener uh, right here next week be sure to subscribe see you see you next time shalom on to the Nephilim Matt's been ready. Matt's been waiting. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's next.